and Walker, then it's Kyle Bailey taking over alongside Smoke Ludwig from 3 until 6 p.m. We've been doing a couple of these profiles. We just did one on Shane Steichen, one of the coaching candidates that could take over as the permanent guy for the Carolina Panthers. Let's move on to Ben Johnson, the hottest name out there. He's already received interest from five different NFL teams, the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Arizona Cardinals. All have coaching vacancies, and they all have inquired about the young offensive coordinator in Detroit. He was promoted last February to replace fired offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn, former Chargers coach as well. Johnson oversaw a Lions offense this season that ranked fifth in the NFL in total points scored. And in the top 10, they ranked the most uh, in most of the other offensive categories. And he started his NFL career as an offensive assistant with the Miami Dolphins. Dan Campbell was down there. Once Campbell took over as the head coach with the Lions, he actually retained Ben Johnson on staff. This was his first year calling plays, Wes, and it was a wild success. Besides having the year that he did with Sean McVay, this was by far Jared Goff's most successful season with the Detroit Lions of the two, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've seen him really raise his level of play. Personnel started to get a lot better. Offensive line, they really invested there. Ragnow, Panay Sewell, two first-round picks. Amon Ross, St. Brown, they hit wildly so in the middle rounds. What do you think of the candidacy of one Ben Johnson possibly taking this job over? Well, I think he's an interesting candidate. When you look at his background, I mean, he was an assistant wide receiver coach and an assistant quarterback coach in Miami, and then they promoted him to the wide receivers coach. So there's a lot of assistance in there because when you read these guys' bios, they're like, well, he helped guide uh, Landry mm-hmm. to this, and he helped guide Tannehill to that. Uh, so, you know, he's light on experience. He's not as inexperienced play caller uh, as our man from Philadelphia. But when you look at the Lions this year, 11th as far as per game uh, statistics, 11th in the run, 8th in the pass, 4th in total offense, 5th in points, and 5th in yards per play. So he's put together a heck of an offense. And the thing that I said I liked about him is that I feel like his versatility with the personnel that he have, he had really stuck out to me. Detroit does have a, a really good offensive line, but when you talk about St. Brown, who's a, a, a slot receiver, but he can also play on the edge as your number one top guy. He's not a 6'5", 220, throw it up, 50-50 ball kind of guy. You have to create for St. Brown. Now, he is twitchy and he is uh, speedy. He's going to beat guys with his route running. But you have to be creative to scheme him open, especially when teams want to get physical with him and double him. Then when you talk about kind of the other guys around him, the DJ Charks, and they got Jamison Williams back late. But this is a receiving court that's not going to blow anybody's doors off besides St. Brown. Backfield, Jamal Williams, he turned in a career season for him. DeAndre Swift was productive as well, even though he hasn't been quite what you wanted uh, from a first-round pick and what we saw from him at Georgia. And then, like I said, in today's game, doing it with a pure drop-back passer in Jared Goff, having the creativity to keep him protected. He protected them with that running game, also that good offensive line. But they had some some creative goals, and not just against yeah. the Packers. Like, you look at when they came here and played the Panthers, the big play that they used to get down the field uh, when, when I know y'all you know don't want to hear it, but when J.C. Horn got beat on that long pass, 
Uh, you know, just like was, Patrick Sertan. That was a nice play. <laughs> I say all that to say uh, that was a nice play design. So I watched uh, a, a few Lions games where they had some nice play designs, and that's the thing yeah. I like. You know, I don't like coaches that you know just want to sit there and line up in the eye and just run it up in there and then do play action and call it a day. I like to see some creativity in obvious situations, and I think that he did that. And no better example of that than Sunday night against the Packers third down, you feel like, okay, well, they're just going to try to line this thing up or whatever the case may be. Hook and ladder comes. Then on the fourth down, you know, he runs a nice play as well, albeit basic routes. But like I said, I just think he did more with less, and I just think that his creative play calling, I like his potential. More with less than all of the other offensive candidates or specifically Shane I'm not going to say all of them, but I would would probably, if I just cycled through them all in my head, I'd say yeah. So you have Ken Dorsey as one of the guys. Yeah, Buffalo's yeah, pretty, you know, they got some pretty good weapons. Oh, yeah, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs right yeah. there. I like Gabriel Davis for sure. Gabriel Davis, the tight end is pretty good. Dawson Knox, yeah, and then Dawson. you can go and then you can go with uh, – Not that running backs are – no, uh, they're, they're the they're they're the worst of everybody that we're yeah, talking yeah. about. Mike Kafka, who comes from Dayball in Kansas City system, even though he wasn't calling the plays, I'm pretty sure that's right. I think Dayball mm-hmm. had been uh, calling plays up there with the Giants, and it's why we give him a lot of credit as a head coach. But I'm with you. I really like Ben Johnson. I I, I made my my uh, push for Shane Steichen as well. Why I would like him as the head coach, and why I'd be completely accepting of that. Ben Johnson too. So what do you value? I think Ben Johnson has more creativity that we've seen in his play calling than Steichen and really almost anybody else in, in the NFL this season, maybe outside Andy Reid, you know, and Eric Bieniemy in that offensive tandem. So talking with Ben Johnson, that guy is real creative. Part of this in the last game, everybody's pointing to Green Bay and saying, wow, look how crazy he is. And you're right. Part of that is just emptying the playbook because you're not playing for anything anymore and you'll just create plays the next year. But it's not like he wasn't doing that the whole season prior. So when writers will reference the game against the Packers, it almost does him a disservice because it only seems like it's that game. But no, he's been doing this all season long. And if you look at the stats, the passing offense this year ranked eight in total yards for Detroit, eight in total touchdowns, interceptions, only two or was ranked, excuse me, second when it came to total interceptions. So they took care of the football and the rushing offense. It wasn't bad. It wasn't what the Philadelphia Eagles were putting up there. As far as total yardage goes, they were ranking 11th total in rushing offense. They ranked third in total touchdowns. They had a million one-yard rushing touchdowns this year. Like Jamal Williams had 13 of his 15 total touchdowns on a combined 25 yards. Yeah, 17. So Jamal Williams had 17 rushing touchdowns or total? Yes, he did. did. He broke the Barry Sanders single-season record. So 13 going into that game (laughs) was on 26 combined yards. A touchdown, which I'm not not here to hate on Jamal, just they patted it in from one yard a million times. But you do. I'm telling you. Uh, what I'm speaking is straight facts. 17 touchdowns total, 13 of the last 15 going into the most recent game, 13 of those touchdowns. That's a fact. 13. And he had like a two or three yard one at the game. So, yeah. Two or three. That speaks to your stats. Right. So, like, touchdown vulture and also a good player. Jamal Williams is a good player. My whole point being, that is going to bring up your touchdown volume right. in this rushing offense. <laughs> but both of these guys in Shane Steichen and Ben Johnson, they can they can play call around a, a strong rushing unit. Yeah. And if that matters to Carolina, because that's the way they built their personnel so far, if that's the way you still want to have this identity roll into next season because you're not sure about what quarterback you're going to get, I have no problem Ben Johnson working with whatever young QB or Shane Steichen, but they can have some of the big plays be a compliment 
to a rushing identity, and we've seen that with Detroit and Philadelphia, and that's why I think both of these guys are so valued across the league. And I think you talk about compliment, and and I like that word, and also I like the word, you know, just just having different pitches, and that's the thing that you need in today's NFL. We've seen uh, Tom Brady and and Bill Belichick when they were at their height, and they had a different kind of, they had a custom playbook for whoever they were playing. And that's kind of the lay of the land now in the NFL. You're going to play some teams. If you play Kansas City, you better have your passing attack on point because you're not going to be able to just run, run, run and be able to play with them like that. Unless your defense is just coming out playing lights out and even getting still, they're going to start scoring points. You look at a Philadelphia, you look at some of the top teams in this league, the top offenses, you've got to have more than one pitch. Like you've got to be able, because against some of these teams, they're going to be points where you get down 10, 14 points. Uh, you know, in the late in the third quarter, and you got to be able to come back and manufacture points quickly. And so, I want an offensive coordinator that's going to be uh, dynamic in his designs to be able to do uh, whatever it is that we need to do to get wins. Jack wrote in the Garage Door Guru text line: "Drawing good plays makes you a good coordinator, not a good coach." And this is always the dilemma that you have naming one of these young guys that's been all the rage ever since Sean McVay took over for the Rams and really ignited that philosophy. For for owners and decision makers, it's the fact that sometimes you can be too young to be a good coach right away. I mean, we even had some comments and some questions about Zach Taylor when he first took over for Cincinnati, but eventually they gave him time and he started to figure it out. And you go get a number one overall pick in Joe Burrow, who is an awesome QB. You invest in the offense by drafting Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Zach Taylor the right guy for that team as we've seen them have that success. But you can also maybe see it go the other way where a younger guy could come over as the head coach, not have the experience, not relate to players in a certain way. And eventually you start losing games because you don't have that trust. Steve Wilkes, he has that trust right now. And the way that you bring offensive coordinators in and keep them, it's by naming them the head coach, because then this has been Johnson's first year and people are already circling, you know, circling, the potential hire of him like vultures are up in Detroit one year of good play calling in Detroit. Same thing that happened with Joe Brady. Joe Brady comes in one year with Carolina. A lot of people loved what he did with the offense, maybe to the eyebrows raised of a lot of the fans here in Carolina, but he still got a lot of attention and eventually comes back to Carolina, falls out of favor, has to go you know, to some other assistant job. But you get the offensive coordinator to be a head coach because guys aren't going to be leaving head coaching jobs. But people are going to be leaving coordinator jobs, and that's why you have to secure them if that's what you want to keep in place. Yeah, so that's going to be the main thing just to see if that plays into the Panthers' thinking because it has to. And it's like, do you want to see these guys go to another team? And that's going to be their big dilemma. Do you feel like, and I think when you break it down really at, at the crux of this, do you feel like you know another one of these guys will come along every season? Do you feel like, uh, another Steve Wilkes is is easy to attain. Like you have to look at it, and it's the scarcity uh, principle with these guys. Do you feel like that these guys are one of a kind uh, offensive play callers? Do you also feel like their leaders are going to be able to command the locker room? Do they have the total package? And if you have one of these guys that you know do have some really nice offensive superlatives, 
do they have everything else to go with it that make them the total package that makes them a guy that you cannot pass up? And that's going to be the decision they have to make. Now, the Carolina Panthers also are linked to Frank Reich as well. NFL.com came out with the report that they were scheduled to interview with Frank Reich for that potential Panthers head coaching job. Just another offensive mind that was let go by the Indianapolis Colts and Jim Mersey this season. So not the young mind, but an older one here and has had success with Philadelphia had success for a while with the Colts. The offensive line turned into shambles, and there's some criticism for Chris Ballard, the general manager, who refused to give them a franchise QB or invest in a young one. It was Phillip Rivers. It was Matt Ryan. It was Carson Wentz. They had a different quarterback every single season up in Indianapolis. It was ridiculous, and eventually it didn't work out for Frank Reich. But I do think that this job is pretty attractive because you do have a first-round pick in the top 10. You have that ability to draft a quarterback if you want to. And I think there are some foundational pieces here that you want to keep and work with. It's what Scott Fitterer said, speaking to the media earlier this week, saying that he's had plenty of agents reach out to him. We've had agents that have reached out to us, and obviously we can't start the process yet. We have to be very careful of those rules. But I think this is a very, very attractive job on the outside where people are looking at it. Hey, look, this is is a young team. This division is up for grabs here in the next few years. There's no dominant quarterback. They look at our defense. They look at the offensive line, some of the pieces that we have and the way we're growing right now. And with a few tweaks here and there, you know, this is this is a division that we can we can take over. You know, that opportunity is there. It's up to us to do it. So I think they see that. Uh, they like the ownership situation. You know, they know Mr. Tepper will be there to support them. And uh, so I, it's a very attractive job. Yeah, I mean, that was the report, I believe, from Will Kunkel about Jim Harbaugh first when all of this started, was that instead of Denver, he might want to go to Carolina because the division was a lot easier than going up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. And Scott Fitter is right. You do have that opportunity coaching Carolina. I wanted to go rapid fire through some texts and throw them at you, Wes. Stanford P. wrote in, do you knock Ken Dorsey because of the Bills' lack of run game? Because you are the head of a great offense with Buffalo, but running backs, running game, not necessarily as good as the passing attack there up in Buffalo. No, I think that's so nuanced. I think it's not hard to call good run plays. Running the football comes down to the offensive line and the backs that you have. And yeah, you can scheme up good run games. As I said yesterday, I like that about Shanahan that he can scheme up creative run plays in obvious running situations. But I think at Buffalo, like I said, the backs that they have, they have average backs and their offensive line is average at run blocking. I mean, just plain and simple. Uh, Wolfpack James wrote in, so if you're not taking Wilkes, would you take three years OC experience for Steichen or the lone one-year OC guy of Ben Johnson? How would you measure all of that up if you balance it out on the scale? Because that's that's the risk you take. It's the players that have been very vocal about keeping Steve Wilkes. I put weight on that. Because it's not like people are asking the players and then they feel like, okay, yeah, Matt Rule, we love him. He's a great dude, yada, yada. They're very vocal about how much they love Steve Wilkes. And there seems to be some purpose there behind their words to the point where I believe him. Maybe you don't, fine. I do. So how much do you value that compared to very inexperienced guys, certainly as head coaches, because they've never seen that. How do you balance all that out, Wes? Um, I mean, you'd have to be in the interview room, but I would really try to do my homework, ask guys that he's coached, ask coaches that he's worked with, do they feel like that he's ready 
uh, for this type of job. That That's very hard to determine unless, like I said, I'm sitting down in front of the guy. What type of feelings, what type of vibes mm-hmm. as the kids All like to vibes, say? Man. What kind of vibes do I get uh, off of the guy? But if I had to choose just to be decisive to give this guy an answer, Ooh, I would say I, I still like Ben Johnson because, like I said, I just feel like he did more with less. Um, and one thing I didn't mention, too, by the way, speaking of Jared Goff, what players have said about some of those other coaches, if you want to go with players' feelings, Goff said, quote, Ben Johnson has been instrumental as any coach I've ever had. Going against your boy Sean McVay as an offensive genius, maybe Ben Johnson is that guy here who did a very good job with Jared Goff. And so you get the backing of your quarterback in the first year that he called plays for you. Are you talking about overrated coaches that want to quit? Ben Johnson? No, I'm talking about the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sean McVay. uh, Yes, we are talking about Sean McVay. looks like he could be leaving the L.A. Rams. And, And is there any possibility, by the way, like if McVay wanted to leave the Rams, because that is an outright rebuild with no assets that you have. I mean, I know you don't think you want of, him to come here and say I can be mediocre. I'm with that. Mediocre. Yeah, I'm with that. Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Super I mean, Bowl ring. Yeah, he got one. It was- <laughs> I mean, how is he? All right. It's okay to not be a genius, but I would absolutely love Sean McVay. You're not. You don't want McVay over any of these other guys. <laughs> Not really. All right. We're fizzling out. This is straight fizzle right now on Wesson Walker. Talking more about the offensive coordinators. Got some text and we can read some of the other ones on the other side of the break. But we only have two more segments to go. Let's continue to talk about Carolina. Wes loves Stetson Bennett. Put him in the Pantheon. Called him one of the best SEC QBs. One of the best college football QBs of all time. Should Carolina take a late-round flyer on Stetson Bennett if he is available to them? We'll discuss that coming up on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Wolfpack James wrote in, that is some skip-level bleep Wes just said. You really would rather hire Ben Johnson as your coach over Sean McVay? You got to say to Wolfpack James, Wes. Uh, you know, unless he could bring Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey mm-hmm. and all the 15,000 guys that he traded for and all that stuff, you know, then cool. That's that's cool, you know. I mean, like I, I said, honestly, he's a good coach. I, I'm not going to take that away from him. He's a good coach, but he's not a genius. So I you, think he's a great coach. Uh, yeah, so you're still you're going with Ben Johnson. 336 number wrote in, Ben Johnson. And I did not say I would pick Ben Johnson. over there. You just asked me what I'd take the other candidates, and I said probably. That's Ben Johnson. I felt like I'd. Did you say specifically Ben Johnson? I don't know. I that was what I, I was thought you said. At. Would you take any of these other guys over McVeigh? Well, I guess who would you take over McVeigh? Oh, here you go. Now you I'm asking. <laughs> this is what you said, Wes. I did. You walked right off the. I don't know yourself. that I have a specific guy, but I'm just saying. You that said yes. I, if I was a franchise, like if the 49ers were looking for a head coach and they were wanted to hire Sean McVeigh, I would not be interested in that. Compared to Shane Steichen, yeah, I'd rather have somebody else. Ben Johnson. Yeah, I'd rather have somebody else. But, but then, then McVeigh. Yeah. But I'm asking you, what candidate? No, you. You're That's saying I don't have a specific candidate. So then, well, then who? I just rather have another one of these new blood coaches than Sean McVeigh. He'd rather have Mike Martz. So. Yep. But hold on, you you know glasses and all. You you, you got to say a name. You got to give me something. <laughs> and then because you wanted to refute when he said Ben Johnson, if you want to refute, I I gotta. 
Like, who is the guy? Well, I said I like Ben Johnson over the other guys because he did more with less. But that's what I just... He didn't need 1,600 trades. I'll go with Ben Johnson. So to be decisive, Ben Johnson. You came at me, Wes. You came at me. It was disrespectful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calling me buddy during the break. Condescending. <laughs> no, that was now you're getting on that 50 cap. That's right. You did. Yeah, you did. You did call. You did call Fitty buddy. And we were talking like, I do want to bring that to the text line. How condescending is it when somebody calls you bud or buddy? Be- yeah. T- to me, it's all about tone because you'd be like, yeah, there's my buddies or like, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? Because uh-huh. when I say buddy, I mean it condescending like you're a little bit lower than me on the top that pole. you aggravate me or that i want to aggravate you so i say that and like yeah buddy so now we know for real what you meant when you called mm, fitty buddy yeah, yesterday. I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was definitely some smoke with that <laughs> it was demeaning yeah fitty you did i called you buddy i did kind of like a, a handful of times and yeah, were, we, we first started and there were a ha- there were a few times where you didn't mind it or at least didn't say anything and then there were a few times you said hey well now let's this buddy stuff that gotta stop but I feel like a lot of it is based in tone. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I call my little brother. Like, if, if I called him, I'll be like, hey, buddy, what's up? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, me and Flounder will exchange a text message, like, thanks, buddy, or, like, you know, something like that. But it's never, like, in person. Like, the only person that I call buddy is my actual, is my, is my little brother or maybe maybe my dog like i you know i'll be like hey buddy how are you that's <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's, that's about it right if if you're sitting here saying you're only calling your dog buddy and now if you call a guy buddy to his face after you call a dog yeah that's rough <laughs> and people say that to their kids anybody get that that's rough after you tell you all your bad jokes ah, calling dog, thank nice. you i needed that to, i needed that to get its day but anyways yeah. what were you saying Wes? no i said people say that to their kids too Call him, but oh yeah, yeah 100 percent right. well and that's probably the thing it's real juvenile um somebody said three five two number wrote in chief is way worse oh than i buddy. love calling someone chief yeah chief isn't worse I than buddy think i think chief's like normal conversation type of stuff if if you want to say that but i will say you you can put chief on the end of a segment like you can still want the smoke if you're chief too i'm chop full of it man right now i'm on a roll to be oh. honest with y'all who at wfnz exudes chief energy the most well chief is a boss so maybe Jeff, uh, could you see? I mean, like for me, I, I I either go to the Hog Father, or like like when KB comes in. If like if you if he came in and you were like, "Sub Chief," I think he'd dap you up and be like, you know, like I don't think he'd be yeah. offended by Chief. You yeah, know? it's not worse than Buddy. What are some other? Yeah, keep texting in the Garage Door Guru Pal, text line. Pal is one. That's that's the one. Pal is worse than Buddy. Yeah, Pal's worse than Buddy. Because no, when people right. say Pal, they're normally angry. The, the only way that Pal hits okay is if it's sarcastic. Like, "What's up, Pal?" Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, right people about say that. Pal when they're angry. How would you feel if we called you Pal? Oh, Fitty? I'd get uh, utterly more annoyed than I already am with you. In historic Lancaster, they <laughs> call everybody Bo. Yeah, you oh, always yeah. do that with smoke when he walks in, and that's a historic Lancaster thing. Well, they but they call everybody like when I like when we first moved down there. Mm-hmm. And I went and we would go out or the first time I was playing, you know, ball or whatever, mm-hmm. they'd be like, sup, Bo? Hey, Bo. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter who, where, what's going on. That's a, yeah. Our preacher called us Bo. But but that's a lot more <laughs> colloquialism. That's not necessarily some condescending Spell comment. that word. That was impressive. All right, do you want to look it up? I'm going to try to do it. Colloquialism, C-O-L-L. I don't want to do it anymore. It's done. C-O-L-L. I forget. I'll look it up a little bit later. So uh, Somebody put in guy, 
Which you've called people your guys. You called me your guy. Yeah. Mike Myers well, is his guy, too. Yeah, I know. You got to put the my in front of it. My guy, but not guy. Yeah. If you, I, I don't even think I've ever heard anybody say that. Yeah. Well, listen, guy. Yeah. yeah uh, that's That sounds but like But see, dumb people thing. say pal. Listen, pal. <laughs> yeah. When well, they get mad. What about, I always thought it was like partner. Like you. Now, put, partner's dope. That's term of but, but that means you're ready for the smoke, though. I mean, listen here, partner. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is big time. I'm ready for some smoke. The, uh, I think, Wes, I think I saw you on Twitter call someone that when yeah. you were here for the smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so th- that's a versatile word, though, because you can say, what's up, partner, like to your man? Yeah, or you yeah, can say yeah. it when you're ready for smoke, and then who can forget the end of Minister Society? The, well, uh, Tupac. Very bad ending of that one when they flash the screen black, and then now you're with, what's up now, partner? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, and then then you've got all... Because T.I. was a big partner guy. Well, what about Juice, too? Does yeah. it? I mean, Tupac says it when Omar Epps is... Yeah. I mean, it's not the elevator scene. It's been so long since I've seen that, but yeah. that's but but Tupac probably drops the best partner in, in all of cinematic yeah. history. <laughs> but you're right. Menace Society is also very good there as well. Uh, you somebody, know, people tell me I look a lot like that guy. Even my grandmother told who? me. The guy in Menace Society that ended Kane's existence. Oh, the cousin. People tell me I look, I got that for so long, for so many years. I do look like him. Yeah, you kind of do. do. I ain't gonna lie, when I looked at him, I said I do look just like him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Even my grandma, we were like, I forgot what it was. She's like, you do look like him. I mean, the first time I watched Menace to Society, I was like, what in the blue? Oh, it was mind blown. It was, but but clearly, MC8 gives a tremendous performance. Are hey, you, wax. Are you good? Are you good? What's up? Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Do you need some help? Yeah. Do you need some help? MC8 was amazing. He definitely has the G in him, despite the MC name. Yeah. Um, Bo is the worst because it's cultural, is what Ray Rib said. I think it's almost better because it's cultural. Mm. I feel like that. Bo is like a term of endearment almost. We can get to some of it. We, we need to get to some of this uh, quarterback talk, but I do keep them rolling in because maybe we can have some of this, um, some of this rolling in in the last segment. Real quick, Smitty from the city said, Wes, you look like T.J. Warren. Have you ever gotten that before? No. We need to I don't see it. I don't know if I see it. Do you see it, Fiddy? No, nah, because when I look at Wes, I don't see an overrated yeah. Hooper who go. got out-dueled by Marcus Page. Excellent. <laughs> One night at PNC Arena. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum had quite the take when it came to the team with the first overall pick in the Chicago Bears. He said that they should do this with Justin Fields, their mm. quarterback as it stands now. I would trade Justin Fields, and I'm taking nothing away from him. I think he has a chance to be a good, maybe a top 10 quarterback. But if you can get at least a first and a third round pick, which I believe you can, because so many teams need a quarterback, I'm going to draft Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a better quarterback than Justin Fields. And when I do that and get at least a first and a third round pick, I'm resetting Bryce Young's rookie contract. And I'm going to be able to get at least four starting caliber players. A great illustration of this, guys, is what happened in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is on his rookie deal. They go out and get guys like Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, Evan Ingram, amongst others. So if I could turn Justin Fields basically into six quality players, and get Bryce Young, who I think will be the better player. I'm making that move if I'm the Bears. Dude, every time I hear this guy talk, I'm reminded why he's on national television and isn't in the front office. You know what's crazy about Tannenbaum? I used to roast him. In the last radio show I had, he was all about drafting Justin Herbert and not going after Cam Newton. And I was like, look, man, if you're the Chargers, there's no reason 
to trade up when I thought maybe Justin Herbert would go a little bit before. And he was like, and he even said that Justin Herbert was the most valuable quarterback in that draft. And this was right off of Tua having an excellent season where we had a season called, quote, the tank for Tua season, right? And he was all about Justin Herbert being the number one guy. And I destroyed him. A lot of people did too, by the way. I was not in, I was not in, in rare territory there. He was right. I mean, Mike, Dan- Mike Tannenbaum was all about some Herbert, and, and he and he, he was proven right. The teams in the jet with the Jets. It, but I'm so with you, Fiddy. It's not even that I disagree because when he talks about some of that stuff, I'm like, goodness gracious, that sounds like the wrongest thing I've ever heard on first take. It sounds like the wrongest thing I've ever heard on Get Up. But I always go back to him being right about Herbert. I'm like, all right, man. You know, I guess you do have a little bit of play to to mess with some of those takes. Yeah, I, I just. You're not feeling it. Look at what Justin Fields has around him. What is he supposed to do? And you think putting Bryce Young in that situation, and I know you're getting the extra draft capital, but if we've seen the way they've drafted the last decade. No, I disagree with it. I think you you build around Justin Fields right now because he was so effective in the second half of the season. Yes, I know. Hey, how effective were they? They finished with the worst record in all of the NFL season. But I do think it's it's not that that's Fields, right? Their best receiver is probably Darnell Mooney. They they committed an awful trade going after Chase Claypool for a first round pick. That was that was a mind blowing decision in the worst they gave of ways. Up on one for him. Yeah, yeah, they're chasing clout. Oh, I thought they had given up like a three. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't I I don't think what he said to me made sense. In today's NFL, now, I don't think I would necessarily do it because I feel like Justin Fields is looking like that he's that guy. And if I, when I feel like you have that guy, then you have to stick with him. But mm-hmm. what he said in theory, I did not think was asinine because you can update your roster that much faster because the key caveat in that is if you think Bryce Young is better. And I do think Bryce Young is going to be really good. Um, as far as a pure passer, because Justin Fields had a lot of pedigree coming out of high school and college. So I I don't know that Bryce Young is that much better of a passer than him. But if you can still get the quarterback again, it starts the clock as far as paying him. You can keep your roster loaded. The Bears do have a bleep load of (laughs) cap space, and they have great draft capital. So if you do, you know, switch quarterbacks and end up getting other players in the trade, like he said, five to six more players and picks, et cetera, et cetera, it doesn't, you know, it makes sense. But I would still, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on what I think Bryce Young will become, even though I like him. I already know what I've seen in Justin Fields. I feel like that, like I said, he's going to be a great player. I'm going to stick with him. I got a bunch of high draft picks. I still have all that salary cap space to improve the roster. So I'm just going to rock with Fields. Well, but what I, he said did make sense to me. No, I, and I get it in theory, too. I'm still building around Justin Fields, and I kind of view this a little bit from a Jalen Hurts standpoint, except Jalen Hurts has a lot more talent around him, and that's allowed him to flourish in that offense from Shane Steichen slash Nick Sirianni, where you need a lot of other things to be taken care of on that roster. And so I, I get it from that standpoint, but someone that has – that kind of rushing ability, special rushing ability from Justin Fields, had the long runs of like, what was it, 60-yard rushes. He has as many as those as a lot of other dual-threat quarterbacks we've seen in the last decade, 20 years, something like that. It's it's absolutely incredible what he's done as far as the rushing game goes early on in his career. And I would like to see the passing game start to develop as well once you get more offensive linemen 
um, protecting him as well as get some better receivers too. Now we're not talking about number one overall pick stuff with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud and Carolina. You might be able to package up and, and get a CJ Stroud. Maybe that debate is had for another day. Stetson Bennett, who we just saw win back-to-back championships, Wes, he's not going to go in the first round. Kirk, uh, Kirby Smart talked about how he hopes his quarterback will continue playing football, meaning playing football at the next level. How interested would you be if you're Scott Fitterer, David Tepper, and the Carolina Panthers and taking Stetson Bennett maybe later on in the NFL draft? Yeah, I think if he's sitting there, you could take a late-round fly on this guy. Like I said, uh, the thing about him that people look at that they don't like, obviously, is his size. He's 5'11 and some change. But we've seen that work uh, in this league. And like I said, he's not the biggest guy, but he's got pretty good arm talent. I know that in big games, he's been dominant. And he wasn't playing with a roster full of just NFL soon-to-be Hall of Famers. It wasn't like he was... The LSU roster from 2019 where you got Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase out there. Georgia had good receivers, not world beaters out there. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, you look at the, the the college football playoff performance, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdown passes, one INT, four MVPs, two national championships. So, yeah, late round pick, fifth, sixth round, somewhere in there. I mean, if you're still looking for another guy, why not? Yeah, I, I kind of look at him. Who are some of the other quarterbacks that have had illustrious college football careers but didn't quite pan out in the NFL. Oh, good Lord. And, been a lot of those. Right. And so does he fit that? Because we can go to some accomplishments from other QBs. You know, somebody that won a Heisman, didn't win the championship, but Troy Smith comes to mind being a smaller QB that had an excellent pedigree but was a later round pick <laughs> and eventually was a backup for a couple of teams but didn't end up being your starter. A.J. McCarron, someone, winning two championships yeah, at And that's what I'm saying, people. Don't get it twisted thinking I'm saying he's going to come in yeah. and be some fifth, sixth round discovery that's going to be this great player. But I do think Stetson Bennett has a career as a backup quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think he can. I think uh, – I mean, I think you certainly, with the athleticism too, even if he's older, I think you would be somebody that you could take a late round flyer on. All right, Fitty, last one of the day. Go ahead and flash us. Well, I do have a button-up shirt that I can unbutton if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Some news regarding Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Tua Tagovailoa has been ruled out for Saturday's playoff game against the, or at, at Buffalo, they are preparing... Uh, Skylar Thompson, the former uh, Kansas State quarterback, to start that playoff game. And I have to wonder, after DeMar Hamlin was discharged from the Buffalo Hospital, if he's going to be in te- if he's going to be uh, uh, in attendance in some capacity for this playoff game, and if he is, what that reception, what that setting, what that view is going to look like in Buffalo, and also. No Lamar Jackson at the media portion today of practice for the Buffalo Ravens. And to make matters worse, Tyler Huntley didn't even throw in practice today either. So Anthony Brown, who started their season finale at Cincinnati, could be starting a playoff game this weekend against the Bengals. Listen, man, the Buffalo Ravens, that quarterback depth, Josh (laughs) Allen and Lamar Jackson, crazy. (laughs) What? (laughs) You said Buffalo Ravens. Did I really? Yeah. You did. That's all good. And Wes was giving some depth. It happens to me quite a bit. So I'm allowing Wes to go at you because if I did, I knew you'd just throw it right back in my face. All right. That's your (laughs) NFL update. Heading into the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. One more segment to go here on Wes and Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
704-570-9610. As we're wrapping up Wes and Walker, I asked listeners to text in to the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610, whether some of these words that people might refer to you as is indeed a term of endearment or do you find it offensive? And I'm going to go around the room here and just rapid fire, maybe with a little bit of analysis if you want to. Wes, Fitty, you tell me if it's offensive or if you're fine with being referred to with whatever word I'll bring up. Big T from North Carolina wrote in, champ. Seems condescending to me. Oh, yeah, I'm an offen- yeah, I'm offended. You're offended by champ? Yep. What about you, Wes? Uh, again, it depends on the context of people using it, but if I have to be decisive, no, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I do it. What's up, champ? Champ, it seems a little juvenile. It seems like you're a kid. I, I mean, unless you really are a champ, like a boxer. Yeah, that's true. If you've won a championship, because people do that. Or that, too. Well, well, people do that all the time in the media. They say it's the champ or whatever like that. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could definitely see that. I don't feel like Haas is offensive. Possum Brian wrote that in. No, it's, I don't think that's offensive. If somebody calls you Haas, that's almost a, that's a compliment. Yeah, I agree. You cool with being Haas? Oh, Vinny? yeah. I want y'all to start calling me that. You almost <laughs> had a deeper voice to say yes the there. Boss. You're trying to act like a Haas. Here's a good one. Bud Lightyear came in with a really good one that's bad. Yeah. What about Tiger? No one calls you yeah. Tiger. That is Women so... will say that like mm. in not a good way. <laughs> Wait, a bad way? Like if they easy be like, tiger. easy Tiger. Yeah. Who said that? That was me. Wait, what is that from? Me and him both said it. Easy Tiger. What is that from? Oh, that was me. That's a drop. Yeah, that's a drop of me. And I think it was when I was working with just Willie alone in the middays. Uh huh. I think that's where it came from. Where we we started talking, and you know, you know how Willie P likes to toe that line. He gets ramped up. You know, he started standing up, started banishing people to hell. I had to be there and tell him, "Hey, <laughs> easy, 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 tiger." tiger. <laughs> it, it might it might be appropriate. That's funny. So yeah, that's a good one. Um, coming in from Bud Lightyear, conspiracy. Mike wrote in, "Boss man, boss man's cool." So we call Jeff Rickard. I hope it's not offensive. Yeah, I really hope not either. <laughs> I mean, that's every time I see him, boss man, how's it going? Wait, you hesitated. Is boss man okay, Wes? I'm just trying to think of the. All the different ways people can say it. And I, and I guess with any word, it just depends on how it's delivered. But I would say no on I, that one as far as it being It's hard to make boss man word. offensive. That's hard. I don't know what, what context you can I mean, you in. can say it to somebody who, you know, might be walking around thinking that they're big stuff. And you say it to them just to be sarcastic. Right. Sarca- okay. I mean, I guess if anything is delivered sarcastic. But I guess you're right. This right. one's a bad one It's a, to me. What about big guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I call you that all the time. Yeah. That's why we have the relationship that we have. It's a a 50-50 word. That's why it's rocky. Yeah, because especially, you know. You do call me big guy all the time. Yeah, or I've I've gotten that that from people as well, too. Yeah. Hey, remember the old sportscast in Charlotte, Harold Johnson was the big guy. But but okay, here's something different with us though, Wes. Like, I'm six six, you're a former offensive lineman. We are literally big guys. Right. And so maybe that's where it's okay. Where if you call somebody else, it's like six foot, I don't know, man. Maybe you can't be big guy. I don't know. Because Five, eight. would you find it offensive if I called you big guy? No, because I know you were just, you know I probably deserve it if you're calling me big guy. Okay. Well, all right, so that's, all some, right. that's some extreme self-awareness for me. Sometimes I call you Big Slim. Is that too much? No, I don't know why I like that for some reason. Big Slim. You know, the Slim Reaper for Kevin Durant was always an awesome nickname. I don't know. Big Slim, it sounds pretty good. 704 number wrote in Bubba. I don't know. Big yeah, time. that can be a little bit. That's what my little siblings call me. Well, that's kind of short for brother, though, right? Bub? Don't you have sis and bub? Isn't that something short for that? Oh, no. My little... Now, now it's bubs. 
<laughs> yeah. That's only something a brother can call you. Oh, and yeah. a younger one, too. It can't be an older one. If my older brother called me that, I'd be like, what are you doing? Last <laughs> one. This is the best one. Gary from Texas wrote in, son is the worst. Nobody can call you son. I mean, it's quite literally an insult if you got sunned by someone. No one can be out here calling you son, except for dad. That's well, the only one that can call you that. Yeah, that's another one, too, though, because, I mean, you think about Wu-Tang. They used to, on the skits, Ray and Ghost and all them, they used to call each other son all the time. Remember, they say, and in ATL, I forget which character, he said, I call you son because you shine like one. But but what about, you know, come on, yeah, what's up, son? Like, yeah, that's that's derogatory. Yeah, no, especially in 90s, that was big when New York rap was dominating, like son was definitely It sounds like you're pounding big. your chest, though. I'm not taking son, man. Nuh-uh. We don't agree on that one. Are you with me on this, Fiddy, or do you oh, feel like it can be delivered okay? Yeah, because I only got one dad, and it's not anybody. It's not, nobody in this room. Right, because then you're almost affected. There are, there are ways to get to the place yeah. where they might be trying to call themselves your daddy. And uh-uh. I'm not about to have any. You might have had daddy as a, uh, as a term of endearment on the Nick Wilson show. <laughs> Mm-mm. I'm not trying to have anybody be my daddy on here. Yeah, ice up, son. Hell, that was derogatory from Steve Smith. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely hear that. Um, oh, yeah. I, there's some of these I'm not going to read. That's a little bit too bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fella, hot shot. Yeah, there's a couple. Fella's one, yeah. Hot shot, dude. Hot we, shot we is definitely Shrappy one. That. Hot shot is like a funny nickname. I don't think. I don't, <laughs> you want to call Shroppy hot shot? Yeah. yeah. He might like it. He does not like Shroppy the nickname. Hot I like Shrop. Yeah. Hot, hot Shrop. Hot Shrop. Hot Shrop. Raindrop. Drop Shrop. Uh, That's what we should be calling him. Yeah. Um, all right. What's on tap? What's on tap tonight? You see a college basketball game between Duke and Pittsburgh, 7 p.m., tipping off on the ACC network. You got the Blue Devils or the Panthers, Wes? Woo! That's going to be hard. I'm going to go with Duke to stay undefeated at home. Who are you going with, Eddie? I got Duke. It's in Cameron. They're going to bounce back. They're going to figure it out. There's too much talent there. Bad loss. I mean, I know Pittsburgh is playing a lot better, but if you have the one-point victory against Boston College, Duke had been um, enduring some of the losses they already have, and then you lose to Pittsburgh. Man, well, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad loss at this juncture. They don't, they're 4-1. But considering who Duke is and with the expectations coming in, if you start off, what would their conference record be at that point? I mean, how many, yeah, how many have they Because Pitt is, at this point, the surprise seeing them in Clemson. Yeah, I, I understand, but at the same point, even if we don't view Pittsburgh as a bad team, you got to beat good teams. No, no doubt. Duke Especially at home in yeah. Cameron. We'd not be with the feeling. reputation that has. Right. All right. Um, that's what's on tap. Duke Pittsburgh. I'm gonna go with Duke too. I think they figured out and they eventually beat the Panthers tonight at 7 p.m. Let's find out what happened on this day in sports history. Well, guys, on this day in 1973, Major League Baseball owners approved one of the game's most controversial rules: the designated hitter. The owners decide to allow just AL teams to implement the rule. On an, on an experimental three-year basis, but the rule would become a permanent addition to the a, to the AL while the National League did not adopt it until it was instituted during the COVID-shortened season. That was carried over, but in their new CBA last year, now both teams honor the uh, DH rule. And on this day in 1987, John Elway led the Denver Broncos to a 23-20 overtime victory over the Cleveland Browns to win the AFC Championship, L.A. capped a 15-play, 98-yard drive with a five-yard touchdown pass to Mark Jackson to tie the game with 37 seconds remaining. 
Rich Carlos would kick a 33-yard field goal in overtime to give the Broncos the win in what is probably one of, if not the best, sports memories for our boss, one Jeff Ricky. <laughs> or boss man, as we might call him. A couple of other ones I wanted to get in. Slugger is bad. Oh. Yes. Slugger is real bad. Oh, that's what I was calling when I was batting 650 in church league softball. <laughs> okay, besides that context, it's bad. That was from a 912 number, 971. Writing in sport. Sport's real bad, too. Can't be called yeah, sport. sport is yeah, bad. that's real good. A, a good one, though. Playa. What's up, Playa? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the term of endearment. That's a good one. And then the last one we'll end with, 704 number. What about Chach? <laughs> you can't be called Chach. Yeah, you never go up to and address somebody as Chach. You just get you call somebody a Chach like Aaron Rodgers when you're being Chach is more of an action as opposed to like how you address somebody. You're saying it's a verb? Are you Chaching out here? Oh, very much okay. so. I didn't know. Now I got you. All right, that'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. Smoke Ludwig alongside him. They'll be uh, taking you the rest of the way from 3 until 6 p.m. Right here, Sports Radio 92.7 FM.